folks. <clears throat> if you're a guest with us today, you might have thought, did I actually walk into Park Road Jewish Baptist Church this morning? Uh, you did not. This is Park Road Baptist Church, but our fall series called Q&A is giving us an opportunity to look very seriously at our Old Testament text and the gospel reading together. And as such, we're looking at that and having a chance to explore uh, the Old Testament text seriously. This morning in our Sunday School Hour, we talked about how important it is for us to understand the Jewishness of Jesus. And the Old Testament, our Old Testament would be the Bible that Jesus had known. And so Monty is helping our choir as an introit, singing one of the Psalms in Hebrew. Um, but this is not Park Road Jewish Baptist Church. It's just Park Road Baptist Church. Thank you for being here. We turn today to uh, two texts that don't appear to be related. I hope that you will understand uh, how they go together at the end of this day. Amy's brother, <clears throat> whose name is Rut Rutledge, loves tradition. Rut loves the whole Jack's family and everything in it. Sometimes it's a circus, but you know, he loves it all. Everything they do, and he doesn't want any of it to change. It wasn't broken 40 years ago, so why mess with a good thing? Easter lunch is always at Rut and Ginger's house, and there's that big softball game on the front lawn afterwards, and Thanksgiving is always at Susan's, Amy's sister, just down the road, and Christmas always starts at Mom and Pop's house at 6 a.m., even if you live two hours away. <laughs> you see, that's the way we've always done it. Uh, and that mentality in general works for Rut. Why change a good thing? They knew how to have a party. They knew how to do Christmas. They knew how to have a parade. It was Thanksgiving many years ago, and we had gone to the big parade, the big parade in downtown Clinton, South Carolina. Even though we were all there together and the parade route was the same as it had always been and the high school marching band had just gone by and Santa was on his way, well, something had changed. I can't remember what it was. Something had changed and it did not suit Rut. That's not the way they used to do it. We knew how to have a parade, Rut said. Well, Rut has been known to run things in the ground occasionally so if he said it one time that afternoon, he said it enough to make us wish they would go back and do the parade like they always used to do it, just to make Rut be quiet. The way it's always been. That's how it ought to be, don't you think? We've never done it that way before. Would never have to be a complaint if people would just quit changing things, right? The way it's always been is the way it ought to be, the way we used to do the parade, the way we've always done Christmas, the way we ought to tailgate, or organize, or decorate, or worship. Dear God, let it be the way it used to be. That is a prayer, a sincere prayer of very many people but it is not a prayer of faith because faith does not look back. 
Faith is not about what used to be, it is about what may yet be. In terms of faith, the past is only useful as a placeholder, a marker reminding us of God's presence. God's presence then, but because God is always doing something new, those markers of the past only stand as a beginning point of what God can do. Israel loved the way it used to be. You know, they had said, we've never done it this way before. You know, they loved the way it used to be back in the good old days before exile. And to be sure, the days before exile were better than what they had been in the days of the grand temple and their proper worship and their right praise of God. You remember how wonderful everything was back then, don't you? In the second year of King Darius, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? Now, they had been off in exile in Babylon for 70 years. They had finally returned home, and they were standing there looking at the ruins of what had been that grand temple. How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? It didn't look at all like it looked to them before they were taken to exile. Yet... Now take courage, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Take courage, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Take courage, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the promise that I made you when you came out of Egypt in that first exile. My spirit abides among you, Do not fear, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once again, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The latter splendor of this house shall be, the latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. Even as grand as it was, and they could still remember the way it looked, even though it was in ruins. And God says, don't look back. It's going to be even Unless, unless, of course, you are determined to make it only what it was before. So here's the question. 
What have you lost? What have you lost that you cannot let go of? What have you lost that you are determined to make again just like it was? Only what it was. As limited as it was back then. And what are you unwilling to see anew? What are you unable to trust might even be a better tomorrow than it was in the good old days, even if it was truly good in the good old days? Is it some relationship? Some tradition? Is it a cultural experience like the parade? Is it a religious expression? If you cannot let go of the way it used to be, how are you ever going to see God in the way it's going to be? From Luke's Gospel. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, so these religious types that didn't buy into resurrection ideas, came to Jesus and asked him a question. I will tell you, I think this passage is probably mostly about trickery, trying to catch Jesus with a trick question. But because I don't have time to deal with that today, we're going to just put that over here in a box and deal with that in your own time. Because it really doesn't make sense for them to pose this question to him if they don't even believe in resurrection anyway. So, some Sadducees, those who say there's no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, 
Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. That was the law. That was the way it was. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And so, in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. So Jesus, in the resurrection, you know the one we don't really believe in, in the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. I mean, this is stuff that you should really spend time thinking about, don't you think? Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, God is God not of the dead, but of the living for to God, all of them are alive. You have heard the ancient story. They went to such extremes to try and trick Jesus, posing to him the toughest of questions, and he doesn't even flinch. Oh, I wish I could be like him. He gets them to start thinking something new. They posed a scenario from some fabricated past. Then they project outcomes in some fabricated future, a future that they don't even believe in. And they ask Jesus to solve for X. I hate solving for X. I've always hated solving for X. I will always hate solving for X. You see, they could not think outside the box. They were looking backward, trying to figure out tomorrow. And Jesus basically says, that is no way to live. Looking backward, trying to figure out tomorrow is no way to live. The Sadducees come to Jesus with this crazy story based on the law of Leverite marriage. If a man died leaving his widow alone, and we all know that being without a man in that culture was a ticket to poverty and alienation. But if he had a brother, and the brother was to marry her, especially if the deceased man had no sons, so his brother could father a son in the deceased man's name, thus carrying on the family line, which was 
of utmost importance, then all would be right with the world, at least the woman's world. And in this Sadducee story, six successive brothers die, each marrying the widow. And their question is, in the resurrection, which will be her husband? Looking backward, trying to figure out tomorrow. And Jesus says, you just don't get it. The future, he says, is completely different. You know, some people hear that and go, oh, great. That's the best news I've heard today. And some people think, oh, no. That's the worst news I've heard today. Resurrection is the promise, Jesus says, of something greater than we've even known in this life, altogether different. And I don't think he was just talking in heavenly terms. This story forces us to ask ourselves, are we stuck in what used to be or what is right now? Or are we willing to trust God with a future, maybe a future completely different from the one that we've known, but a future that promises to be even better? Richard Rohr suggests that there are three ways of approaching this wonderful life in which we've been called to live. He says we can, number one, we can do the old thing with the old mind. Or... We can do a new thing with the old mind. Or we can do a new thing with a new mind. I'm going to review that for you because that's going to take just a little bit to sink in. We can do an old thing with an old mind. We can do a new thing with an old mind. Or we can do a new thing with a new mind. And Richard Rohr says that that third way deserves to be called authentic living. The Sadducees were stuck, only able to picture life one way, and they were trying to conform what is not yet into an old image. They didn't know they were up against a man who was constantly doing a new thing. That is what got him killed. Jesus brought a new way with a new mindset, and he was constantly upsetting the apple cart. It's a curious thing how we continue to be so resistant to change. And before you start to think, she is talking to me, in a subliminal message. The words I have written next are, I step on my own toes more than I step on anyone else's. Why can we not trust that what is yet to be may be more wonderful than anything we have ever known thus far? 
Why can we not let ourselves trust in a God who does not really function well in our carved out nuggets of time? God is beyond our time and does not do well with our sense of past, present, and future. Why can we not let ourselves trust in a God who does not function well in our carved out nuggets of time? The conversation that we had yesterday that we wish we could take back. The decision that we made 10 years ago that we wish we would have chosen differently. God doesn't do well in that time. Why can we not let ourselves trust in a God who does not really function well in our carved out nuggets of time, trying to mold every single moment of this life to produce a very specific outcome out there? Just ask our college, our high school seniors who are frantically trying to get into a college trying to craft and mold every single little minute point of this moment to reach some moment out there. Why can we not let ourselves trust in a God that does not really function well in our carved out nuggets of time where sometimes we hold back for fear of future failure? This kind of way of living kills us. It kills our spirit. It kills our energy. It kills our creativity. We die when we try to build a future based solely on our past. I think that's what Jesus was trying to tell those Sadducees. You will die if you try to build your future based solely on your past. And Jesus answers the question with an answer of life. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So I ask you, are you alive? Fully alive in this very moment. Russ and I will speak at Temple Israel tonight where there will be the commemoration of the 75th anniversary of the beginning of the Holocaust, Crystal Knox, the night of the broken glass. There will be five survivors and one liberator. And I wonder how many times they have replayed the events of history over and over and over in their minds. They surely have asked all the what ifs and the why me's. But they will gather tonight in the very present moment to give testimony with their simple presence that God is among them all the time. That God is within them all the time always bringing life out of the broken glass, always able to see God in the light that shines through the cracks of our broken glass. If those five survivors and that one liberator 
had lived these 75 years picturing a future only through the lens of that past, fear would have killed them by now. Our past forms us into who we are, and we cannot forget it. But God is more creative than we can imagine that what is yet to be is far more than merely replicating a past. For many whose past is hard and broken and debilitating, this is the best news I could say today. But even for those whose past was wonderful enough that they spend a good bit of time yearning for the good old days, even for those people, God is at work toward more than you could imagine. If you are open to what is yet to be, there's the answer. Being open to what is yet to be. Resurrection, living, both now and forevermore. Amen.